0: We're live without Bobby in three, two, one. Welcome to it, everybody. All right, right, hold on. All right. All All right. right. Welcome to... Oh, man. All right. Who's
2: doing this? Go ahead, Doug. All right. <laughs> All right. everybody. Here we are without Bobby in the Gamekeeper Studio here in West Point, Mississippi. Glad to be here. Glad
1: to be here. And while he is not here, Hercules is here watching Hercules over this studio. Hercules is always here. Always here watching over us. Well, we got a pretty exciting show today, even though Bobby's not here. He's at the Tractor Supply Show. Uh, but I'm excited because I know we're going to talk about one of our favorite subjects, Deer. Uh, and while I'm not going to say we have a guest today, we got our in studio gamekeeper butchery guy, aficionado, the aficionado, the food man in the house, Mr. Sam Culler. So there he is. Good to be here. Got the horns. Love it. That's right. Sam put up with put up with us as a, uh, for a year as an intern.
3: Yep.
1: Uh, and then we kicked the door open, and now he's uh, making home in West Point. So excited to have you here, Sam. Excited to be here. Good. Good. What's,
3: what's it like moving from? Wisconsin all the way down to west point yeah it's a little different A few different hunting seasons <laughs> a few different customs you gotta get used to
1: yeah a lot of fried chicken a
3: lot of fried chicken a lot of fried food <laughs> everything's pretty much fried
1: but had to step out your car step up your cardio workout when yeah, you get just, down here just a little bit but it's great <laughs> well good we're proud to have you here and we're going to talk a lot today about uh meat and deer meat specifically so excited about that so yeah, yeah so uh speaking of deer what are y'all doing to get ready for deer season
2: well, uh, my starter's down. My buddy, Jack. Uh, In
1: your tractor? Yeah.
2: He lives closer to the farm. He went and checked on things uh, a couple weeks ago. Starter's out. So, gotcha. you know, uh, it's a busy time of year for farmers, and uh, things get backed up at the shop. So you just have to be patient.
1: Yeah, nothing's more frustrating than having this grand plan of what you're going to all get done, and then showing up, and the key doesn't work. Right. Or there's those little things, and you spend half the day really working on yeah. your stuff.
2: Well, I've... I've always tried to do my little, uh, what I refer to as poor man's no-till, mm-hmm. uh, get get that seed planted right around Labor Day weekend. Right. Um, and I've been successful. Uh, we put this together. Uh, we added it up. I think this will be year seven that I've done this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always done really well. I, I keep thinking one year it's going to be a failure because you're more or less just throwing the seed on the surface.
1: Right, but and you call this the poor man's no-till? Poor man's
2: no-till, throwing mow. Yeah. I've, I've heard different different things.
1: But this is really working well in the south. We struggle sometimes to grow big brassicas in the south, and you've been successful with it for the past few years, uh, in an area that's actually even further south than West Point. So, Yeah.
2: Good um, stuff. Uh, you just have to try to time it in front of a rain, mm-hmm. and that doesn't always happen, but uh, so... In a nutshell, you're mowing it, letting it grow back a little bit, spraying it, uh, wait until that dies, throw your seed and fertilizer out, mm-hmm. and mow it again. And that light thatch layer covers the seed. Right. Um, there's some more methods that, that people are using that we can get into later. That's work been working really well for me. But back to the story, uh, we've gotten behind with that starter being out, so uh, we decided to just do a uh, soil test and redo the acreage on all the field. It's mm-hmm. been a long time. We were using more primitive stuff. Uh, now that I can just take my cell phone out there uh, and use on X, uh, you can get really, really close to a perfect, you know, known square footage or acreage. Right. right. Um, and it, it makes it a lot easier. So we, we did a lot of that stuff. You know, yeah. if you can't, If you can't plant or disc or whatever, you can do other things. Throw
1: and mow and grow. Yeah. Yeah. What about, what about you, Sam? What's going on out there west of town?
3: So I just bought a property about three months ago. Yeah. And what I've been really doing right now, because this is about 42 acres.
1: The perfect the 40. The Here we go. perfect 40. The perfect 40.
3: And so what I've been doing recently is just kind of scouting out in the mornings and evenings, looking at what deer are there, how they're patterning, mm-hmm. and also just walking the property a lot to get a really good feel about mm-hmm. where I'm going to position tree stands this next year. Also looking at what possible locations would be great to put some small little one acre, two acre possibly mm-hmm. crops for the fall. And kind of just really scan out the property and finding that where those deer come in, in the morning, where they go out, what times they come out and move, and like where they're bedding. And that's right. kind of what I've been doing a lot. It's just kind of strategizing. And now also just ordered some tree stands. They're going to be putting I those have, up. Hopefully.
1: You got a blank canvas. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's From always scratch. fun. Always fun. There's Vandy. What's up, Vandy? How's Vandy? Good to see you, Vandy. <laughs> he won't talk. On, <laughs> he won't, he talk. won't
2: talk on the podcast,
1: yeah, but we still podcast. love him. That's exactly right. Well, cool. And I know I know I know McElwain, uh has started seeing some pretty good bucks in velvet. Mm-hmm. I know my dad and I were going to look at some pine trees last week and saw a really good deer outside his outside his ears in the velvet. So mm-hmm. uh Maybe they're out there. Sam, you ran into one, too. Yeah, I saw
3: one on the side of the road the other day. Mm. Pretty pretty well formed.
1: Well, I tell you what, they're impressive looking with that fuzzy stuff on their head. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they're that – I just think they're that much bigger, that's for sure.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it kind of fools you every year, and then you remind yourself that it – it loses its
3: velvet, yeah. it's not
1: going to look that yeah day. <laughs> The mass is nice. <laughs> the mass is nice. Well, good, good. Well, you know, we had uh, our own Christy Buckner. You know, what we're going to kind of started the conversation today was uh, us talking about, obviously all of us here are uh, hunters and fishermen and part of the consumptive sports. And, you know, we love to bring stuff home from the field needed, it. You know, that's no just, doubt. All, mm-hmm. I myself have always defined myself as a, you know, uh, as a meat hunter, I guess, is the best way yeah. to put it. I don't know if there's a bad connotation to that or not. Uh, but, yeah, so we want to dive into that today and talk a little bit more about it. We had a just had a wonderful meal.
3: It was so good. It was <laughs> awesome. What was it, Sam? So it was a Sichuan lo mein made with canned venison.
1: Canned venison. Mm-hmm. Canned by our very own Christy Butner.
2: Yeah, and by canned, we mean in a mason jar.
1: Yeah, so mm-hmm. this quart of deer meat has been sitting on my desk for how long, Max? At least a year. Not, yeah, months for sure. Yeah, yeah, it seems like yeah. a year. So everybody thought it was a science project, but we broke it, it out today. It looked like one. Yeah, <laughs> it was excellent though. Yeah,
3: it was good. Yeah,
2: I've been told, you know, looks like alpo, tastes great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Dudley, you,
1: you. I mean, I, I'm very familiar with canned meat just from my grandparents' now, But you were one of the first guys to do this. Even when I, you started here, you know, five or six years ago, you would come to work and your lunch would be a pint. Jar of deer
2: meat. Yeah, a half pint, little jelly jar.
1: Yeah. So would you just, I mean, explain to us what well, was going on there. Well, I
2: mean, uh, I've, I've, you know, just, I like to do research. And right. And I, I decided to give it a try uh, maybe 10 or so years ago, and I loved it. And it, it's simple. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, uh, I've even done it on a year where you don't end up eating all your deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've thawed that out and canned it, so it's a great way to kind of repurpose uh, what you don't use each year. But it, it works really well. I mean, in a nutshell, you just fill the thing up with hunks of meat, and uh, you you can add water. You don't add water. You can add broth. You can add salt. You can add seasoning. Um, Maybe even vegetables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're talking about canning food, and mm-hmm. it, it can be unsafe if you don't. Follow every, you know, just like with herbicides, you read the label. Yeah. Well, with this, you you need to follow the USDA guidelines because uh, people have gotten sick, people have died from eating mm-hmm. uh, improperly prepared canned foods. Um, and so, I just wanted to mention that. But yeah, you just put it in the jar. Uh, this is considered a low acid food. Dear so tomatoes, things, like tom- yeah, yeah. things like tomatoes, you can can using what they call the water bath method, where you're just putting it in boiling water for a certain amount of time. With this, you need to use what's called a pressure canner. So it, it looks just like a big pressure cooker. Um, and it either has a weight or it has like a dial where you dial in the amount of pressure based on your elevation. And I know it sounds difficult, but it's, it's simple yeah um, and you can you can look up these websites. Uh, one of them is uh, the nifa.usda.gov. Hmm. and that's short for the National Institute of Food and Agriculture USDA. And, most and your, it'll ha- it's yeah. got like a built-in cookbook into that PDF that tells you exactly uh, the amount of time per the size of the jar, everything you need to know. Um, and it, it turns out great. I, and
1: I think when I bought my pressure canner, it came with a guide, you know, yeah, and yeah. A, a recipe mm-hmm. section to let you know what the proper canning methods are uh, and everything else. i tell you, the one thing I love about it is, for one, it's like ready to eat, you know. Yeah. What Sam whipped up today, how long did it take you?
3: Oh, not, not long at all. Yeah. But once you make the sauce and then you just add the meat to it, it's real simple. And the nice thing about canned meat is it's already cooked. Right, so you don't need so like once you just need to heat it up at that point. You don't have to go through the process of fully cooking it again. So and it took c- probably twenty minutes,
1: yeah. and the canning process tenderizes it. I mean, oh, completely, completely.
3: Um,
2: and this is kind of off subject, but if you're doing fish or something like that, it completely like softens the bones. Oh, you almost can't even tell they're there.
1: I used to eat canned salmon when I was a kid. Yeah, I remember the bones.
0: But yeah. You, you you called it yeah. salmon.
1: My wife, I, I do salmon. that on purpose salmon. to make her mad. Is it salmon or salmon? It's salmon. Salmon. Whoops. <laughs> you know, I'll
3: salmon. mess it
1: up. Salmon. Well, i tell you, the one thing, you know, the ready-to-eat part of it, the convenience of it. And, you know, cool. everybody complains about that freezer space, but this is the way to open up freezer space. I'm sure you need to what, – what would you need to store this in? A cool kind of dark place, or does it even matter? Just stick it in your cabinet and roll it? I mean, it? I don't
2: think you'd want to leave it outside in the heat You're or right. something. But, uh, yeah, just keep it in a – Keep it in a closet or a pantry. Basement, what? cellar.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's been on my desk, again, like Max had for almost a year. So uh, it's good stuff.
2: It is. And there, there's so many other things you can do with canon that, that, you know, like uh, we like collecting mushrooms. Uh, you can prepare those in yeah. some way and then can them and then dump that on top of your canned deer meat for your meal. Yeah, uh, and you,
1: you know. Bobby picked up some chanterelles, what, last week and brought them mm-hmm. in here. Yeah, they were They're Kind great. of popping
3: up everywhere. Is also you can also do pickling as well with vegetables, mm. which you know. So you can do canning and pickling. And yeah, that's another another possibility. Just have
1: you like three cans and pour together and have a super meal right there. <laughs> yep. Another thing too, I tell you, and I, I'll I'll move off the canned deer meat, but man, like for camp, you know, super easy preparations. Even when you, if you were tent camping, you could probably oh, yeah. pull off what you, you did today. Take
2: a little bit in the back country for the first night. Yeah, you know, it's a little extra weight, but but it, hey. It's all about the experience. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But, uh, you you know, you could make some jerky, too, for something like that. But, yeah, everybody's – it seems like people are getting into camping and uh, everybody's buying travel trailers these days and and just getting into that. Getting outside more. It's uh, awesome to see. And it makes it more fun when you bring do-it-yourself food. Right. To Definitely cook. adds to the experience. Yeah.
1: There's no doubt about it. Well, speaking of food, you know, uh, in a couple of weeks, our buddy old Michael Hunter's coming down. I can't wait. Yeah. He's going, I think they're going to chase some hogs around. Him yes, and Sam will probably it'll be fun. hook up, go through the bottom, see what they can knock down. Uh, that'll be fun. And then, I guess, what else is going on around here? I know the big cruise at ICAST this week, a lot of fishing stuff going on. Uh I know some people are fishing too. The Dolphin Island Deep Sea Fishing Rodeo was last week. There's some tournaments mm-hmm. down there. So I think guys are really uh focused on fishing for now, but that won't be long. You know, in a, in a no, week or two they'll be I've changing into deer mode. I've Been seeing a lot
2: of social media posts, people hold their snapper up and their yeah. tuna and people yeah, going Vandy, to the beach and chartering trips and
1: Vandy's got us some snapper in the freezer in the mm-hmm. refrigerator back there.
2: Heck yeah.
1: How's that canned deer meat? Pretty
2: good.
1: Yeah, I told you. That's good stuff.
3: That's good, good stuff. stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, cool. Well, uh, you know, I think we're going to keep on talking about deer meat if it's all right with y'all. Yeah, I'm with it. I can do that all day. That's exactly right. Well, the, you know, I think uh, we've been bragging on this canned deer meat, but a lot of steps have got to take place. You know, uh, everybody has their own way of doing this. And that's what yeah. I'd like to talk about today. You wow. know, uh, field processing, processing, and, and kind of the care you take of of, of the harvest, for lack of, of a better term. Um, so, uh, you know, me personally, um, I've been raised as a whitetail hunter. You know, it was always been about the meat, and I, I personally believe too. It's, it's if you base your satisfaction in your hunt on on a harvest period, not the size of the harvest. You know, you're going to have a lot more better experiences in the field. But you know, bringing that stuff home and putting it in your freezer, it's almost a, uh, it's rewarding beyond compare to me. Um, and and I spent a lot of time. Uh, and we, we, we spent a lot of time as a group talking about how we do it. Um, so, I guess just throw
2: it out there. Yeah. So, what do, do you, you do,
1: Lanny? I like, yeah, there it is. What do I do? I like to obviously make a very uh, clean shot is one of my, my first uh, mm-hmm. things, you know. Um, uh, a gut shot or a, a paunch shot or something, you know, adds to a little bit more of the stress on the animal, if you ask mm-hmm. me. And I want it to be a, a quick, clean harvest. And then as quickly as possible. Uh, and I think my dad taught me this from, because we didn't have uh, necessarily some of the tools we have. I want to I get the guts out of it as quick as I can. Mm-hmm. I want to get that meat to cooling as quick as possible. Um, and and that's, that's the first step for me. And then cleaning everything out from the inside. I still feel dressed. Um, a lot of people don't, uh, I think maybe some people even feel, have a negative opinion on it, but what do you think about it? It just
2: depends on where I am and what, you know, how quick I think I can get done. Yeah. You know, if I'm at my farm, I'm probably just going to haul tail over there with a four wheeler, put it on. And go uh, good at the skinny Yeah. Chair. But you know, if I'm on public land or something. Deep I'm on, in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to field dress it.
1: There's a huge, obviously, advantage to field dressing uh, hunting on public land when you're deep Mm -hmm. in there.
2: Yeah. I mean, sometimes if I can get my truck to it, I won't even take it back to the skin and shed. I'll just take it apart uh, on on my tailgate or on
3: the ground Mm -hmm. and, and head home. Head on home. What about you, Sam? I'm, big, I'm in Wisconsin. I do field dressing every single time. Every time. Yep. I was always raised with that. And then, like, for my dad, it was the same way. It's like high percentage shots, is always what he said. Right. So, with every shot, I try to make either double long or a hard shot, but always in the vitals. And then just pretty much clean it as quick as possible, field dress it, and drag it out. And in Wisconsin, it's nice because during deer season, it's cold out. So yeah. the outdoor is over yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So so
2: yeah, y'all, y'all probably hang them.
1: Well, yeah, we hang them
3: outside. It. We have a big old deer hanging pole. And we yeah. on, hang a couple bucks outside, let it cool down, and leave the hot capes on right there.
1: Leave the hide on mm-hmm. them. How long will y'all try to age them outside? Just as long as the weather allows?
3: Yeah, it's it really dependent because we've had, the last couple of years, we've had some weird falls mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, one year it may be real hot, like, and you can't leave those bucks out for very long. you got to get them to the processor mm-hmm. or get them home and start breaking Processing them down. Processing yourself, yeah. mm-hmm. And then other years, you know, you can leave them for three, four, five days outside if yeah. it, you know, maintains a nice, cool temperature. Right. So really season-dependent.
2: And what temperature do you like? Well... I learned this from Toxie because he grew up working for Brian Foods. Yeah. But there's a saying he learned called, Life begins at 40. That's right. That's
1: what he always told so me, too.
2: We try to keep it uh, around 38, mm-hmm. is, is kind of mm-hmm. where I think it needs to be. Um, and uh, you probably like to do it about three, three and a half weeks. Yeah. Jim
1: Crumley, you know, when we were spending a lot of time at Portland Landing together, he, we spent. I spent a lot of time talking to him about, you know, deer and deer processing, and he told me 38 degrees for 38 days. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty serious. That's beautiful. Yeah, and I'm I'm a 21, you know, to 28 day guy. Of course, we have to in here in the South have either. I've done it several ways here. Dudley, you probably the same as I had a, a my old college refrigerator. Once I uh, got done with college and actually had a house, I kept my college refrigerator. <laughs> And I would debone and then age meat in that frigera- refrigerator. I learned later in life that I was—I guess that would be called wet aging.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then, oh, you were
2: putting it in the ziplocs, yeah. and then yeah.
1: So I'd get those two, those two and a half gallon ziploc bags. I'd take my tenderloins. I would debone everything, and I would have more or less have a hindquarter quarter in one in a in a bag, a hind quarter another bag, and then tenderloins and innerloins in the other, and the front shoulders in another. And I would stack them in the refrigerator. Uh, and age them that way
2: Uh, yeah uh, i've seen the lindsays doing that Mm -hmm. they'll they'll put their meat in like in a in a ziploc bag or a uh, you know some type of container but they put it in the ice it's not exposed to the ice it's in the bag that's right and they wet age it like that
1: and then the only thing for me with that one is you need to go in there at least every three four five days and drain the blood off of it you just tilt your bag Get the blood out. Oh, um, out of the bag. Out yeah. of the bag. Because yeah. as it sits there, that blood is going to kind of naturally.
2: Um, and then there's other there. folks that will, you know, use that shelf in the top of the ice chest mm-hmm. and leave their meat up there above the ice. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have access to a walk-in cooler. Um, I've even put hindquarters and left the rind on it. Yeah. And and kind of wrapped it around that cut part of the hindquarter and put it in our spare fridge that's in the basement. Since I don't have a walk-in cooler to hang it, just uh, I've quartered it up, but but still
1: and is that dry still you skin have it in off. a bag. Oh, you still had the skin on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and that works. That that's one thing, you know, you see how they hang beef, they hang it with the skin off. Right. But deer don't have any fat. And so I think that's the reason that we leave
1: the fire on it. 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since the college refrigerator days, I've been fortunate enough to uh, build a shop and build a deer cooler now. So, And the technology available, this is not out of reach, people. I mean, you know, the, I think the, the key to it is, for, for me, we were going ahead and we were building something else. We were building a, a little barn, so I was able to frame up a small, you know, eight-by-eight eight area.
2: Oh, that cool bot thing.
1: Get a drain in it. Uh, and then we did um, that closed cell insulation in it about two inches thick and an air conditioner unit and a cool bot. Like a window for, unit. A window unit. A window unit and a cool bot uh, and an exterior door, and it works really well. So
2: that's pretty cool. That's yeah, pretty cool. And that's oh, a lot more accessible than having a walk-in cooler.
1: Yeah, I think the advantage for me is I get to, I can turn it off. You know, walk-in coolers you need to run continuously. Okay. Uh, where the, the AC unit gives you a little bit of advantage of being able to cut the thing off and walk away. And now I think I've got an older unit, but I know Vandy and uh, the guys put one in Shmuel and it's got Wi-Fi access. So he can jump <laughs> on his phone and see what his cooler's doing
2: right now. Uh, but, but they it, don't, the, the take home message is it doesn't cost thousands and thousands no, of dollars.
1: I think I've have about a thousand dollars in my, in my deer cooler, including, you know, insulation, um, uh, studs, uh, an exterior door, and a cool bot, and a window unit.
2: Yeah, cheaper so. than a deer rifle. Yeah, 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 huh. yeah,
1: And it's also good for other things, you know.
2: Oh, before yeah. I forget, Sam, do y'all hang your deer by the head or
3: by or the, by the, the legs? So it depends on if it's a buck or a doe. Ah. So if it's a buck, we t- at least the way we do it in my with my family is we take a rope, wrap it around the base of the antlers, with two loops, put it on a big hook, and then hang it from the hole. Yeah. It's a dough, and then you do both the leg slits, mm-hmm. and then – Put it in a gambrel and yep. get it up there.
2: I know you northerners, a lot of them hang them by the antlers. So yeah. I was, I was curious. Yeah, I'm I, sure it works. People will say, you know, one's better than the other, but the one, I think it's just more – The tradition. one thing
3: I've known, at least I've seen, that it's beneficial with hanging them by the antlers is that when you field dress them – it makes when you hang them up, you can then take a hose. It makes it real easy to clean out all the blood out mm-hmm. of the insides. Yeah, and also just makes the blood drip and drain a lot nicer. It doesn't get stuck up inside the chest cavity, and that cavity
1: there. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And then too, I know uh, if you know, like mountain deer, if you're caping a deer, you know, we typically would would hang them by the horns too, so the blood wouldn't drain down into the to the head there and make it yep. look all funky. But cool. Well, look deer meat north versus south what are some <laughs> northern traditions that you know that we don't take part of in the south that we're missing uh, out on
3: northern traditions you know it's really funny i've seen like a lot of people kind of prepare the same recipes and it comes down to deer meat which is usually you can fry mm-hmm. it like a like a good old fashioned country fried steak mm-hmm. you have like maybe grandma's or grandpa's favorite recipe which could be like a stew or a soup and then a big one too is like spaghetti I see, like, pretty much all my friends nowadays, they just throw it in spaghetti. Oh, yeah, oh, a of so it. good. It is so and, good. You yeah, uh, can't complain about
2: that. I like to grind my own. I, I think, Lanny, yeah, yeah. I'm grinding. Do you add fat? I don't. I do not add fat. I, do, I haven't added fat. Uh, I've
1: recently found uh, added a little bit of fat to some, but, uh, you know, I've found for making tacos and spaghetti and those quick meals, you know, you don't need the fat in it now right if you're patting something up what we throw an egg and some flour in there and something to make egg, it
2: flour some people use oatmeal mm-hmm. um to, one, as a binder yeah one of, of one of those hilarious instagram guys old stale cracker he had a good video about you, you know making burgers yeah with with you know ground deer meat that doesn't have any fat on it stale cracker so, so check it out he's 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 really good at what he does, and he's also hilarious. Well, I'm going to have to uh, check old Stale Cracker. Uh, right? It's uh, out. pretty cool. I, I want to say he was adding – I can't remember, but check it out. But mm. that was that's always been my thing is, like, if I'm going to make a burger, I'm going to go buy some good beef.
1: Yeah, that's but, what my wife but, is. And,
2: but with Spaghetti,
1: deer, deer
3: meat. everything <laughs> else, beef, Everything
2: right. else is deer meat. Right.
3: But – um I will say when, like for me, if I'm making a burger with venison, I need to take one or two routes. If I'm, if I had no fat, then I'm making a Spash burger, Mm -hmm. you know, so you have it on the griddle. you can add your own fat there. Otherwise, you know, like a lot of local butchers where I live, you can get heritage pork fat. And this is the rule I also do with wild boar is I'll get some heritage pork fat and grind it in to the burger Mm -hmm. and then it makes, makes a really nice fat consistency when you're, Ended up frying it. It has a good kind of like bacon-y flavor. Oh, yeah. Like there's that. a lot uh, of bacon burger people around here mm-hmm. for sure.
1: It really is. Mm. I think, uh, you yeah, know, pork and deer go really well together. <laughs> but, yeah, like, <laughs> uh,
2: you know, back to the ground thing and, and doing it ourselves. I like to uh, – my wife and I like to package them, uh, you know, I'm from the CD era. So, you know, you'd have that thing, you'd put your CDs in and stack them. Uh, Bobby's probably more like an eight track kind of guy. But uh, (laughs) we just save old shoe boxes and we, we package our ground meat. It's probably a pound and a half or two pounds. And it's a, it's like a flat square, you know, by the time it's done and we stack them upright in that shoe box and I'll freeze them like that. And, uh, that way they fit a lot better, and uh, you can you can take them in and, you know, take them out of the freezer more easily, and it just doesn't make a mess. They don't fall all over the place, and they thaw out a lot quicker. A hundred percent. You know, when you... When you get it done, it usually comes in those plastic tubes. Yeah. And they take forever Ever. to thaw no out. No doubt
1: about it. And it seems like the outside of that thing gets freezer burned. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, you've taught me that a few years ago, and I've used that method myself.
2: And uh, when they're stacked, there's there's a lot less air touching them because they're stacked, they're stacked against yeah. each other.
1: And you can count. You know, one of the biggest challenges is keeping your freezer organized, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And keeping it rotated. The first thing you want to do when you put something else in your freezer is you want to eat it. But really, you need to eat what was in there beforehand. Yeah. Uh, right. So that has really helped me from we a, just, or, a freezing organization. We just write
2: the word ground and put the date on it. And uh, the rest of the deer, we just refer to it as hunks. Mm-hmm. And we. <laughs> uh, Hunk it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you could use like cork ziplocs or uh, your favorite vacuum sealing mm-hmm. type deal. And I usually put two hunks, like a, a back strap, you might can cut into four hunks. And they'll fit perfectly in those quart bags or in that vacuum sealer bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that you can do pretty much anything. If you decide you want to grind it up, you run out of ground, you can grind it. Mm-hmm. But that to me is the perfect size for grilling mm-hmm. or uh, you know, throwing on your, you know.
1: So you're not cutting into steaks, you're cutting into hunks.
2: I like cooking a big hunk and mm-hmm. cooking it medium rare. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then slicing it after that. Slicing
2: it after you cook it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's my kind of your kind of thing my kind of thing Not a bad thing. yeah well i tell you sam those deer in the north i've had some of those hind quarters just steaks on the grill and they got a lot more corn than our guys do down there yeah, a lot more marbling in the meat it's it's is a pretty distinct difference I, and I'm, i guess it has affected the way we prepare you know uh prepared depending on where you're from that's for sure but mm, so the big question dear heart yes or no dudley
2: I'm a deer heart noob. I'll admit that. I think my first deer heart was when Michael Hunter came to visit with uh, Jeremiah Doty. Yeah. And uh, they cooked one up, and it was fabulous. Yeah. I want to say either when you got to the very top of it or the very bottom of it, there was a just slight gaminess to it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, some people say that's their favorite thing. To me, it's good, but it's not my favorite (laughs)
1: There's other better parts. What about you, Sam?
3: See, I, I love deer heart. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's all about preparation and how you really take, like really from the moment you shoot that deer, you need to take your time in harvesting it outside the deer. And I I personally love it. I think if you prepare it the right way, it is up there with some of the tenderloins. And that's a real controversial. Yeah. Thing. Hey, <laughs> and I'll, I'll,
2: I'll say this. I used to be a high shoulder guy when I was shooting deer because yeah. I just wanted it to fall over. Uh, I didn't want to have to go looking for it. Uh, now I'm a I'm a double lung kind of guy mm-hmm. because I'm saving the heart.
1: Yeah. All right, yeah. Well, I'm a I'm a noob, and to the point, oh, I've eaten heart, but I've eaten uh, uh, waterfowl heart, mallard oh, hearts. Oh, gosh, and they yeah. are excellent. So I guess I should, you know, be ob- more open minded. Yeah, we'll, we'll have some deer heart this year. Yeah, ducks know? and
2: dove. I save enough. the heart and gizzard every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, duck hearts are awesome. That's for sure.
1: Well, I know Mac has got a very intriguing qu- trivia question on there, but before we got to that, because Bobby's not here, you know, with the rudder, you know, keeping us point in the right <laughs> direction, the ADD is bumping all over this room, we forgot to talk about our sponsor this week. And it's pretty sad because – The sponsor this week is Gamekeeper Butchery, which is one of our businesses. Tell us a little bit about it, Sam.
3: So Gamekeeper Butchery is wild game meat delivered to your door overnight. It's some wonderful products. We pretty much have every wild game meat under the sun. We have... Whole alligator, if that's what you're looking for for your next big cookout, mm-hmm. we have elk tenderloin, we have venison tenderloin, we got all the fowl that you could imagine. So we got duck, quail, pheasant, but pretty much we have also amazing selection of sausages and some great new products coming out ne- the next coming months. So we got some wild boar chorizo coming soon.
1: Man, and, I love chorizo, and it's
3: good. It's really good. I think I don't think we've made anything bad with that. No,
2: not at all. I've just I've. So enjoyed Sam cooking for us and getting yeah. to t-
3: test he, all he the got stuff right on out. in here on it.
1: Some man, no doubt about. it. And look, I'm gonna tell you, I know he's done something with the chorizo, which was hugely impressive. But this wild boar tasso, oh
3: yeah,
1: is next level.
2: Yeah, you can put it in all kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah, you can make your black eyed peas wild. You know, yeah. anything you want to do, it really makes it accessible. So that's really cool. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a business we're continually working on. You know, everybody's like, hey, uh, Mossy Oak selling meat now. Uh, but you know, we just wanted it to make it accessible to people. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of some people don't have success in the field. Uh, wanted them to be able to get a taste of the wild, and then you know, uh, you know, unlike us, you know, we we're very fortunate here. We get to hunt a lot. So mm-hmm. some of those guys only get to go once a year. So uh, it's a, it's a good business. We're extremely excited about it. So go to uh, GameKeeperMeets.com to check it out. Yeah. All right. All right. So Matt, what you got over there for us? You're gonna try to stump the. The chomps. Stomp the chomps. I I feel confident with
0: this one. If if, if, if somebody gets this right, too, uh, you you all should should get this right. Oh, no. That means we're all going to get it wrong. I'm hoping that you don't. (laughs) And it's going to be a wide open question. And I want everybody to give their own answer. Oh, wow. What organ does a deer not have that other animals do have? We probably should get that one right, (laughs)
1: I'm going to lose my gamekeeper badge if we don't come up with this one. An organ that a deer does not have that other animals
0: have. It's a, it's pretty vital hmm. for a lot of people.
3: Kidney? Eh. Dang.
0: Come on, dud.
2: I'm going to go with pancreas. I? I- hmm. It's an organ?
1: <laughs> I got it an appendix a
0: gallbladder oh,
2: was, that was my number two
1: yeah. i swear it was i was
0: kind of close it's a gallbladder so the deer's liver actually produces the bile uh since there's not a, a gallbladder good job mac you stopped <laughs> yeah, the chumps that was a great one that oh, was a yeah. great gamekeeper trivia question absolutely we're talking about deer meat i thought we're talking about when Indian, you you kind
2: of you kind of played with us though when you said that we have to have it, but they, they remove gallbladders out of humans all the time. All
0: the time. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. other animals
2: do.
1: Mm. Wow, learn something new every day. Yeah. You know, you think you know. I, I've been studying whitetails my whole life. Got him, got him. That's right, that was good. All right. Well, you know, uh, we've been talking a lot about processing and techniques and everything, but one of the most important thing are you know are your tools, just like anything else uh out there uh and uh, we uh, you know couldn't couldn't help but not promote the gamekeeper line of game processing stuff that's available out there uh we got grinders we got vacuum sealers we got seasoning packs we got all kind of good stuff coming out so uh, check that out and pick it up where you can i know i know uh Dudley, i don't think you use a vacuum sealer much but i know a vacuum sealer really has changed the game uh, yeah for me. i need
2: to add that
1: yeah to my repertoire and I would recommend, you know, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about our tools and little stuff that we use. You know, I try to add a piece of equipment every year, kind of like a tractor implement. You know, I got one thing that I'm trying to get at the time. And each year, you know, it is a little daunting to think about, I got to go out here and I got to build a cooler or get a cooler or get a refrigerator that's dedicated to this and get everything rounded up. It can be a little intimidating, but I would just advise people to just take, you know, one step at a time.
2: Kind of like managing your farm. That's you, right. you do it in phases.
1: Yeah, my phase this year was I wanted to make, I've eaten a lot of deer sausage. I would always Mm. make my grind and I would save, you know, parts of it. I would have somebody make sausage for me.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always I, just made my own patty sausage but never got into the sausage, into the, the casings, and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, so I kind of jumped in that this year. I found a really good resource online. You can just Google this and you can find spreadsheets because I think one of the intimidating things about sausage is your formulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's, I, I found a spreadsheet template out there where you could actually – it would tell you tell you'd tell you how many pounds of dinner meat you have, and then it would give you a recommendation based on different recipes of how much of your ingredients to add. So that was a fun time. Me and the kids got out there and uh, made up some link sausage and uh, had a good time at it. But again,
2: what's some of the tools that you have, Dud? Um, gosh, I, I bought a grinder probably back in the 90s that I still use, and it works great. So how big um, a horsepower did you did you get? You know, I don't even know. Yeah. Half or three quarter. You know, it doesn't take a lot. We're not making, you know, we're not doing 300-pound batches. Right. Um, I think I started out when I got married, somebody gave me an attachment for my KitchenAid mixer. Oh, yeah. Um, And I used that for a while. Honestly, it's not quite enough, Enough. in my Mm -hmm. opinion. Uh, You need to step up from that, and it can tear up the motor. Uh, using it over and over like that, and you get it blood out.
1: all over your wife's KitchenAid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so go
2: ahead and so get a problem. grinder mm-hmm. if you hadn't gotten one. They they're the way to go. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I've never done the the link sausage or anything like that. I've I've read about it. I've always done patties, um, and I've always just ground it and frozen it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'd I'd like to get into that. Um, I, I do fun stuff. Uh, we were talking about Oregon meats. Uh, I've made pates.
1: Um, I know Sam's th- got this pate recipe he's wanting to put on us.
3: Yeah, no, I, I love making a heart pate. And there's like a lot of different ways in which you can prepare it. But usually, one of the big ones I do is I do a little salt brine, like a salt water brine mm-hmm. for 24 hours. And more, you know, you can do it shorter than that, pull it out, de vein the heart, and then make a fine mince of the meat. Blended with a bunch of seasonings and spices, and then serve with a raw egg yolk, and it's wonderful. Mm. yeah,
1: love mm. it. Mm. Mm. We call that pot of meat, don't we, Vandy? That's right.
3: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Uh-uh.
1: So I what like, are the other I like ways? The pot of meat too. Yeah, pot of meat is good. What uh, what are some of the other ways you prepare heart? Or don't y'all do you have eaten liver before? Deer so liver?
3: I've tried liver. I've never been a massive fan of it because you really, I mean, unless you like the real strong irony taste. Sometimes mm-hmm. I mean it's it's a pretty unique flavor. One way that I've actually learned from one of my friends this year is I'm creating liver pills. Ah, like oh, what is this? Supplement. Like a natural medicine, exactly. So, what? So what you do is now a big thing with like harvesting organs that I really want to highlight is if you get a gut shot, do not eat your organs generally unless you thoroughly want to try cleaning it off.
1: You are talking about the green stuff? Yeah. If, mm, if you that get that green up. stuff
3: all over it, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. you'd be right. like, yeah, don't need <laughs> it that much. Yeah. But uh yeah, if you if you make a clean, you know, vital shot and those those organs are intact, remove them quickly and also. remove them and put them in a bag you want to pretty much keep those um, the heart and liver as pristine and clean as you can and when you get home you know automatically wipe rinse the blood off it i do the salt brine also to remove a lot of the blood out Mm -hmm. of the heart and that also makes it like the flavor a lot nicer not as gamey um but with the liver pills what um my friend joe johnson showed me was you ended up slicing the liver thin and you put it in a dehydrator and you dehydrate that liver down to real dry, kind of li- like as dry as jerky, like yeah, real dry liver jerky. jerky. Then you put it in a blender, like a Vitamix or you know a food processor, and you make it into a fine powder. Then he goes and buys the little gel capsules they, online. anything you, you can buy them on Amazon? Fills them up, and then he has you know deer liver pills, dear liver pills for the year, and he says they're. They don't taste at all. You know, you just throw them down mm. with a glass of water in the morning and. And he's eating long. them for
1: iron and nutritional value? <clears throat> yeah, apparently there's
3: a lot of great, you know, nutritional value. A lot but of stuff in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's a good good way to eat them.
1: So, don't, isn't there a casing around the heart or, or a certain way to dissect that thing?
3: You know, that on,
2: I don't know. I
1: I've mean, always
3: just, i always, you know, like for me, it's the big ones, the veins. You don't want the veins inside the heart because mm-hmm. you want that, you know, nice tender heart meat. So I usually just go out and just kind of meticulously devein. Mm-hmm. And also there is a slight case and you can remove on the heart. Mm-hmm. And like a big thing too is like a lot of people are worried, especially with organ meat about, you know, parasites and stuff like that. A great way if you're really worried about that is to put it in the freezer and let that heart sit for about, 24 hours, you know, mm-hmm. like really freeze it to a hard rock. And then once it comes out, then it should be hundred percent good to go. Cause by freezing it, you kill off a lot of the parasites that yeah, people I, worry about.
2: I used to, you know, when I'd kill a deer, you'd kind of eat celebratory, eat something. I, I prefer to freeze it first. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't think of the name of it, but it's a, a, you know, they always tell, you know, when your wife's pregnant, stay away from the litter box. Right. Well, that's, that's the same thing that deer can carry the cat scratch favorite thing uh, I don't, I don't oh, no, know what it, I, I don't know what it's called maybe our fact checker
3: can figure it out there's also like botulism too that's, yeah. a, that's a big fear too is like the canning it's like if you have a tainted can, yeah. like a can you can get botulism from mm-hmm. your meat
2: that's why you gotta follow the guidelines yeah. like for pints when, with usually it's 75 minutes and quarts it's 90 minutes when you're canning
3: and I've done you know fresh pate right out of the deer but i'm also very i've done this multiple times and very meticulous when i remove those organs that i do not have any stomach acid or you know entrails in, in, in on the heart or contaminate the right. heart or liver and so like if it's your first time trying one of these organ meats i definitely take more of the precautions and really thoroughly clean those meats before you freeze them like make sure you put them immediately like i bring ziploc bags in my backpack now when i'm out on hunts, so like if I want to heart if I have those organ meats available, I can pull those bags out and stuff them in there. Now the liver of a deer is pretty big, so yeah. you're so you're probably going to want a little Tupperware container to chuck that liver in because it really won't fit even in a big gallon bag.
2: I'm going to have to try the liver this year. I, I've never; it's always been catfish bait, mm-hmm. but I think I'm going to try it. Maybe on a younger deer. Maybe on a younger deer. What about uh, you? Ever went the tartar route? Mm-hmm. Dutty. My cousin Kenny and I tried it once, and uh, it wasn't. It wasn't that good. I think I just didn't know what I was doing.
3: Honestly, I know so, Sam's
2: uh, a big fan of yeah,
3: it. Yeah, like a big, a big thing with like the heart is if you don't get the blood out. Like if you don't properly, like that's why I do these saltwater brines, because they draw the blood out of any fresh kill. If you don't properly like pull that blood out, you'll get a lot of that more irony flavor mm-hmm. that you traditionally get with like heart meats, and it also kind of just. Muddies the, fl- the natural flavor of the seasoning. So that's why I like to salt brine it so the texture's a little smoother. You don't really get that, like, strong wild game flavor. And I, I personally love it. So you'll
1: brine
3: um, a tail tenderloin and then freeze it and then make tartar out of so it? So I think? usually don't brine it before I freeze it. Usually, okay. so if I have any frozen meat, I'll then brine it before I eat it. Okay. So
1: so take us through uh, uh, a tartar preparation, if you don't mind
3: so if i'm not so if i'm doing like fresh from the kill yeah. i'll do is first make sure that the if i didn't hit the heart you know that like that's the big parameter it's like so usually i do it with does mm-hmm. during the bow season i'll shoot double lung of doe and then go in it has to be a fresh fresh kill so like you've shot it within the hour or two hours go in field dress the deer remove the heart and liver make sure you don't get you don't pop the stomach open and because if you do that
1: Game over. Game yeah. over.
3: No more heart for you. But you remove the heart. I have a plastic bag. Put it in. And then pretty much keep it as clean as possible. Like when I get to my truck, throw it on the passenger seat, drive home. When I get home, clean it off. And then if I want to eat that night, because I know we have really healthy deer, at least on our in our, our place in Wisconsin – I will end up just saltwater brining it right then and there, you know, and you could, I usually like to do it for at least four hours minimum, really just try to draw some blood out. You can do it. I like to do it normally for 24 hours. If I can, once you do that, slice it in half and then start going about deveining the heart. Once you do that, you'll have a lot of tender heart meat. They can then start mincing, mix your seasonings up. I'll actually put a tartare recipe out. Um, Pretty soon on the Game Keeper, well, Ingredient Wild blog. Game Keeper
1: Butchery blog. Yeah. Wild For, blog. Cool. We
3: have all these great recipes. So I'll be putting that recipe out, and then you can make it. Try meat. it out. So yeah. you're
1: making tartare out of the heart.
3: Oh, yeah. Heart tartare. Uh, heart
1: tartare.
3: Nice. Nice farm fresh egg yolk on top, too, Mm -hmm. with some crostinis and bread. It's delicious.
2: Nothing like a crostini. Mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) Some fava beans and a Chianti.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's thanks for a departure from Mama's fried deer meat. Yeah, That's exactly right. And And I like that just as much. I do, too. That's the great thing about it. It's so versatile, that's for sure.
2: Well, that's that's a lot of good conversation there. It we could, is. We could go all day with this. Yeah. One one last thing.
1: Your favorite preparation for whitetail? If you had to go, if you had to pick one.
2: Oh man, what would it be? Last meal? It would. It would. It would be fried deer meat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: You know, my wife is so good at it. You know, soak it. Soak it in a can of evaporated milk with some. Yeah, that's what we do. We, oh, I had not tried we, that That's new. I to write write that down. Down. Yeah. All right, so, so yeah, she tenderizes us. it. Like with a mallet? Yeah. And then puts it in, uh, opens a can of evaporated milk, puts the meat in there with, with your favorite seasoned salt, mm-hmm. and soaks that, and then you dip it in seasoned flour, and then you fry it. Um, if you want to get crazy, you double dip it. Boom. Get that extra uh, crusty. And then uh, from there... She makes this awesome gravy. You know, you pour the, uh, most of the grease off when mm-hmm. you're done, and then you get all those little bits in there. Would that be fun? And then Would you just be. Then <laughs> you add your. You know, you add you chop up some onions, put it in there, stir it around, um, and then you you add some water, and and it it thickens, mm-hmm. and then you know, right on the at flour. the flour, yeah, right at the end, add some milk. You got some rice, maybe some greens or green beans. Come on, I'm starving. Yeah, that um, sounds good, and you know. Some people are ketchup people. Some people aren't. I like the gravy and the ketchup. Yeah, you know, I'm a gravy on and my ketchup, fried deer to. meat. <laughs> and I know
1: you're very particular on your ketchup, so you can go ahead and promote your biggest, your favorite ketchup brand.
2: Um, if you ever find Del Monte ketchup, it's the best. It's hard to find. It's hard. <laughs> I'm a
1: ketchup snob, and Dudley introduced me to Del Monte ketchup. And let me tell you what, it's next level. It is,
3: <laughs> <laughs> especially yeah. on deer meat. Yeah.
1: All right, Sam. So, what's your favorite preparation?
3: You know, a fresh tenderloin. Mm-hmm. You know, put a little quick marinade and then pan seared with a lot of butter, some rosemary. You know, then letting it rest and then nice nice slice, medium rare. Really hard to beat. Really you hard know, to beat. Like, like, especially when it's fresh. Like, you just shot that deer, go in, pull yeah. those tenderloins out, and then take the time to do, like, quick marinade and pan so fry. So, that's, you
2: know. that, that's hard to beat, too. And yeah. it's totally different.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's my t- that would be I was having to choose between those two preparations, although I hadn't done the fried deer meat. is such a staple in my life. And I love it with the gravy and the ketchup. And then my other one would be uh obviously uh very well aged, uh well uh cooked, uh, not well done, obviously medium, medium rare actually for me on uh on whitetail, uh grilled tenderloin. So speaking of tenderloin, is it a backstrap or is it a tenderloin?
3: Well, the
1: tenderloin isn't that inside the rib cage? Yeah, you go, Sam. We was trying to stop you there. Yeah, God no. knows what he's talking about a
3: little hey, bit. Man.
2: Yeah, it's it's you know I said fried deer meat, but it's hard to beat that just medium rare. It's so good. Yeah, we mean like to hot. we like to put salt on it the night before, put it in the fridge. Next night, come back. Uh, I like to do it in a super hot skillet. Oh with, yeah, with mm-hmm. no butter or oil, and then sear it, and then throw it in the oven on 500 Mm -hmm. with all that butter on it Mm -hmm. and put butter on it. And then you pull that out, put it on a plate when it's done, and use that butter and drippings and
3: make a little sauce. Yeah, that's
1: tough to be. God blessed us with butter for a reason, and I think Mm -hmm. that was right beside deer meat. When I started dropping a dollop of butter on the grilled wild game, yeah. mm, it changes the game, that's yeah. for sure. The
3: and then the, right the
2: pellet smokers, I mean, there's so many good ways to prepare. It,
1: it. is, it you is, know, so uh, many good sous-vide, ways.
2: Sous-vide, I like doing that, that's I, a
1: fun one. That is a fun one, I've just gotten into that this year. Uh, and it is fun experimenting with it, I tell you what, especially with wild game. I've done it with elk, done it with a whitetail, did it with a wild turkey. Mm.
2: We you. cooked some shrimp uh, ah, on sous-vide, sous-vide the other night. I mean, there, it's, that's a fun tool.
1: It is. And it's a one way for me. Like if I've got some great tenderloin, this a good medium rare finish, and I've got some left over, and you know, I do wanna heat it up, you know, and you're always I'm always worried to overcook and You drop it in that C V for a little while and it comes out just right. hmm
0: Cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, good, man. Well, where are we at, Matt? I think we're good. We're good. I hit a lot. I we're learned good. a lot. Did you? Absolutely. we gotta ask Dudley question
0: today? I don't think so. We don't? Oh. I thought you were gonna ask him about eating I- Brassicas. I mean, I've got a few asked, like, Mac asked Dudley uh, questions. So w- one that I want to ask uh, real quick, is a chufa a legume? Ooh. Ah, uh, drum roll. A chufa is not a legume. Hmm. How do you know that?
2: Well, the genus and species, uh, uh, the, it's Cyperus esculentus which is yellow nut sedge. Oh. Yellow nut sedge is not a legume. It's a sedge. It's just a selection of yellow nut sedge that has really big tubers that don't taste bad. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever pulled up a yellow nut sedge, but oftentimes it'll have tiny little tubers on the bottom of them. I've tasted them.
1: Of They're course. not good. <laughs>
2: but Chufa has been uh, selected. You know, uh, I think <laughs> it Spain, uh, you know, like the Moroccan coast up there. I think that's, it's common up there. But uh, they have selectively bred that to make the tubers bigger and taste better. And uh, no, it's just not a
0: legume. Right. We're, it's we're, a sedge. We've been talking about that throughout the Yeah, there's a college. lot of
1: confusion. There, there really is. is.
0: And it's, it's not a legume. And another telltale is it doesn't have the shell like a legume, like a soybean or like a peanut has. Right. So that's another... That's yeah, I don't know.
2: know what you actually call that thing. I've I've always referred to it as a tuber.
0: But a tuba. I'm not I'm not sure <laughs> on that, but I'm, I know tuba. that
2: it's not on the game.
0: No, absolutely. My other ask, Dudley. Out of all of our high powered annual brassicas, if you were gonna eat one, what would you eat? And how would you prepare? Oh, oh I'm going okay. To answer this Me one and Lanny
2: were talking about this the other day. Yeah, I'm afraid it's going to be the same answer. We are going. To, we're on the same page with this one. Okay,
1: but now it's important to understand these. Like maximum is a blend of a bunch of different brassicas. So when you get your field out there, you're going to be able to see some difference in between them. So definitely not yeah. talking
0: about
2: that. Um, and off subject, I remember when I was biologic first came out, and I was younger. It actually had kale in it. Mm-hmm. But you know, we've. Changed it over the years. Yeah, we just fine tune it all along. But um, my favorite uh, is rape. Mm -hmm. Um, It's got a thick leaf, kind of like a collard. Um, Yeah, I I don't, you know, uh, the turnips are great. Uh, Well, I like the turnips in there. I like to chop my turnips up and put them in there with the rape. Um, The turnip leaves are good. Um, They just kind of, I don't know. They've, they're thin, uh, and they're fine to add to the mix. I'll eat them all, Yeah, but uh, I really prefer that rape. They're the one with the thicker leaves that almost looks blue and mm-hmm. kind of has a waxy coating mm-hmm. on the leaf.
1: Not a jagged leaf is the other one, too. Correct. Is it by Is that right? That's, that's one Barora, of the Barora,
2: Barora rape yeah. is, is one of the uh, cultivars. Yeah, there. it's
1: nothing better than loading a deer up in your truck and then picking you a mess of greens to cook with it. That's oh, exactly yeah. Right. So how are you
2: going to cook it? Um, I usually do it old school where you boil it or sometimes I'll kind of do that flash thing in the skillet with some olive oil and garlic. Uh, and it's not cooked, you know, it's more crunchy, but I like the traditional way, you know, big old ham hock or something. You got to put some pork in it. Ox or <laughs> right. you know, something.
1: <laughs> some kind of fat. Oh. Oh.
2: Yeah. Put some pepper sauce on it. That's my favorite with some turnips. And I, I do, I do some odd stuff too, um, I like Asian food a lot. I like fermented foods. I make my own mm. kimchi. Wow. And I will love uh, I'll one. get the big Felt turnip Felt. globes and I will chop them into cubes. So some people make traditional kimchi with with napa cabbage. I like it because it's crunchier and mm. you make it with those turnip roots.
1: So you got biologic kimchi at the festival. Oh,
2: it gets you need it, to bring some of that to, up yeah, here they, we
3: can put that on the game it too. has yeah. to
2: stay in the downstairs fridge I'm not allowed upstairs <laughs> is that right <rank>? yeah <laughs> it smells like farts
1: but <laughs> it tastes cool. good uh, that sounds like a good note to end it on absolutely <laughs> <laughs> well look it's been fun we've missed Bobby we hope he travels back from the tractor supply show yep. Sam good to have your yeah, debut on the podcast yes. we appreciate You're you being a part and cooking these great meals for us I uh, look forward to what we're going to be doing uh, with Gamekeeper Butchery in Nothing in the food world so well say goodbye dudley goodbye dudley get us out of here mac
2: thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the gamekeeper podcast and be sure to tune in again subscribe to gamekeeper farming for wildlife magazine and don't miss the mossy oak properties fistful of dirt podcast with my good buddy ronnie cuz strictly